Well, let's get right into it. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. Be mindful to pray for uh, uh, Pastor and, and Brother John with their uh, five-year anniversary. Isn't that exciting? What a blessing. Five-year anniversary. I'll tell you, with Brother John and I, we have our um, staff meeting every week. We call each other every, every Monday and see what's going on, how things going. Are you good Sunday, bad Sunday? What's going on? Give me the good, give me the bad. And so I appreciate him being so close there. It is a blessing, and I can't say thank you enough for just Fellowship Baptist Church. If some, if some, some folks back home have asked, so what is Fellowship Baptist Church like? I mean, you've got to come to Liberal on purpose, you know what I mean? And they say, what, what's Fellowship Baptist Church all about? And I said, well, look around North Valley. That's exactly what it's about. It's, it's a family, and that's how we feel when we're here, and I appreciate you all so very much and love you all so very much. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10, and we're going to get into... Uh, verse number one, we're going to drop down to verse number three. So let's begin reading verse number one. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand and a fool's heart is at his left. Yea, also when he that is a fool, walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to every one that he is a fool. I'm going to try to deal with a subject here. A fly will spoil everything. A fly will spoil everything. And when you take a look at the account that we're looking at, it deals with everything about of an individual that is interested or at least deals with his reputation in verse number one. Uh, him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. And so we're going to take a look at this, and I hope that this will be a help. Father, we ask for your blessing during this time. We thank you for just already being able to be here, and I pray that you would use the time in Sunday school uh, for, for our help and for our benefit, that we might be what you desire for us to be. We love you and thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I was looking at the local news uh, for Arizona. Usually they're interested in two W's. One, the weather. What's the weather going to look like? And usually it's like this, hot, you know, weather. And they also look at the other W, wildcats. Now, I know this doesn't mean a whole lot for, for you, uh, either Oklahoma or Texas and all that stuff that's going on here. But when we deal with back home, we're all about the Arizona wildcats. And one of the things right now with the issue of, now, when you, we don't have any bragging rights when it comes down to football. We don't have any bragging rights when it comes down to basically a whole lot of other stuff when it comes down to the Wildcats. Basketball is what we hang on to. And there's been already all kinds of issues that's been going on with the Wildcats. I'm talking about the, the ex-football uh, coach there with the Wildcats and then with the track and field and with the swimming and all this other stuff dealing with issues regarding the coach and, and his testimony with the, uh, with, the, with the athletic department and all the issues that were going on there. And now it's hitting our what we hold on to are basketball. If I said Sean Miller, uh, right now there's a big issue going on regarding his uh, recruiting uh, possible scandal, and he's denied all accusations. But if I bring up another name like Rick Pitino or these other names that are out there, you know right off the bat that's not a good household name. And what's sad for us, we're like hanging on to everything that we can possibly hang on to, and basketball is what we hang on to. And our main guy here, Sean Miller, is having this reputation of possibly being involved with all, this, uh, with all this scandal, possibly. And we're hoping that it turns out to, that, it's not the, that it's not the case, because we need something to hang on to. 
We need something to hang on to more than just the weather. All right, we need, we need, we need a decent basketball team. When you take a look at Solomon's life, uh, his life can be summed up in, in possibly two different ways here. Uh, one, you could say, here was Solomon who loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father. And maybe you would have that type of reputation. Maybe you might read something else, but Solomon loved many strange women and his heart was turned away. And so there's a, there's a dichotomy there. There's a difference that is there. And when you see Solomon regarding his, his reputation, I think many people would recognize here's a man that had a very significant reputation. Here we were coming into the book of Ecclesiastes, and many of you that are Bible students understand that the book of Ecclesiastes has to do with vanity of vanities, all is vanities. It has the idea of breath of breath. It's there and it's gone uh, real quick. And he, you take a look at his life, the preacher, basically it means this, a gatherer here, it's what he calls himself, there in the book of Ecclesiastes, he gathers all this information talking about the life that he has lived, and he also gives more detail about the life that he has lived uh, outside of, I'm talking about outside the authority of God and being a, uh, 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 under his own authority, and he writes from a hindsight perspective and saying, let me tell you what life is without God. Or let me tell you what a life is when you live it without God. It's vanity of vanities. And so the preacher here is gathering all this information of this journey that he has taken. He speaks about, so I returned. He was on this journey away from God. He says, let me tell you what took place when, when I returned. And I'm going to give you a little bit of details of, of, some, of the, some of the things that I was exposed to. And he really gives us a lot of wisdom and a lot of help to show us that we don't need to be there. To, to prevent us from getting to that, to, to that type of position here. And so he wants us to be in reputation for wisdom and honor, but in a, in, a right, in a right perspective. And really the reality is this, all of us have a testimony. You know, I can throw out Sean Miller, I can throw out Alfred King, I can throw out any name here, and all of us have a reputation. All of us have a testimony that we have to uh, uphold and that we have to, have to live for. And here is Solomon, he brings this out here in verse number 1. He says, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. Some might be thinking, wow, what in the world does that mean? We're going to try to explain a little bit about the details here. The apothecary basically means the individual that's responsible for taking care of the, the perfume or the ointments that are there. Here is this man that, or individual that would be responsible for ointment. Now, ointment would have to do with something that would uh, be uh, regarding sweet perfumes, uh, oils. It, it, this wouldn't be uncommon in the, in the days of, uh, of, of, their, of their day regarding the, uh, whether, whether they're putting it on their, on their body or whether it's a, a perfume for, the, uh, for the, the house or whatever it would be. Uh, it goes all the way back to ancient Egypt and dealing with the perfumes that would be there. And they would bring the uh, dried mixed spices of resin or wood and, and burn it in a special sensor as a sweet savor. They would do all kinds of different things. Sometimes it would be used in, in burial per performances. And so there's that. Now some of us might be thinking, I don't know how in the world does that, how does that affect us? There's, when you think about good smelling stuff, we use it all the time. We use it all the time. Febreze? Yes. There are some, uh, some folks in our church, and I give them grief every once in a while because they're into the oils and, and all that other stuff. You know, if you got a cough, you need to take lime, pomegranate oil, or whatever. I don't know what. You know, there's all these oils for all these different things, and there might be some here that use oils. And, and that's fine. I'm not against that. 
Not against that at all. But there are those, there are those oils that are out there that give uh, purpose and whether, whether it's medical need or just uh, for, for, for perfume or whatever that's out there. I think we're very much familiar with understanding the, the need of, of oil. I was at, uh, uh, I preached for another pastor there in Stillwater, and he took me to Tokyo Pot. It's like the melting pot. I mean, you don't, you got to go there on purpose if you're going to go to Tokyo Pot. And they had, all the, they had all the food that was there, and you're dipping it in there. But by the time we left, I smelt my clothes, I'm thinking, whoa. I smelled like Tokyo pot. So people were thinking, wow, you've been out to eat. And preacher's like, hey, just, just endure it. You know, we just got to stick it out. And I was like, man, we need some special cologne for this right here. Tokyo pot cologne. There's this perfume that, 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 that arises. So we all understand that there are need, there are, there's a need of having cologne to cover up the Tokyo pot, whatever. Or there's need for us being able to put it in our house for scents or, or whatever, whatever the need might be. And so Solomon was very familiar with this. But we also understand something about Solomon. Solomon didn't just see a situation just pass by. it. He would take time to say, okay, here's a learning lesson. Here's something for me to take away from, whether it was an ant. Right, being able to take a look at an ant hill for us to be able to say, okay, where's the ant killer? So for us to be able to take care of these ant holes, he would stop and examine some spiritual truth by just looking at ants, or if he's looking at a coney, or if he's looking at an animal, or or, or agriculture, whatever it is, he would take time to look at the natural day uh, occurrences of life and say, here's a spiritual lesson. Here's something for me to get a hold of. And that's what he is doing right here regarding this, 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 this issue. Now, here's the problem here. You can have, a, you can have a, a, an, an ointment or some kind of perfume that would be there, and you'd have to have some nice case for it to be protected. Because it took a lot of work and took a lot of effort for, us, for them to get the ointment together and for them to put it together. And so it has to be protected. Just like if you take a look at the New Testament, the alabaster box and the other, uh, other cases that are there. It's so needful for us to be able to protect the ointment. And Solomon is taking a look at this. He says, here's a problem. Here is a fly that is in the ointment and it causes a stinking savor. Now, let me explain here. They would try to protect that, but a fly... Even in our day, but more so in their day, it was, it was something of, that was very repulsive. It was something that they would, uh, they would deem as base or worthless. It was deadly in their, in their mindset. Uh, Egypt regarded them as a plague because of what they experienced and the history that was there. And sometimes even the flies that are represented there, if it did make contact with some kind of liquid, it would produce a... a an interesting smell. So no longer do you have that desired ointment that was there. It would, because now it's defiled, it would produce something else. And Solomon sees that and he says, here's a lesson that we need to get a hold of. And here's something that we need to give attention to. Here's a fly in a, in a vessel that is not protected. And as a result, it's bringing forth something that it's not intended for it to be. So we're going to have to, there, we need to make sure that we get, we understand that this is not uh, appealing by any means. My, my father and I, and actually my family, we all went out to Claim Jumper. How many of you ever been to Claim Jumper? How many of you ever heard of Claim Jumper? Okay, all three of you. That's great. Well, anyways, Claim Jumper is a very nice place, and so we went there, and, and uh, it was a special thing that we had as a family, so we all, we're all there, and it's, it's just gorgeous. Their, their menu is like a Bible. It's huge. You just go through, and they have all the different things that are there. My dad decided to get a calzone. 
And it's a big old calzone that was there. And, and he's, now understand, my dad's deaf, okay? So we, we sign and we interpret and do all of that. And he's there and his food comes. And, and as the calzone is there, I mean, it looks gorgeous. It's in a gorgeous environment. I mean, you don't have paper napkins. You've got the nice cloth napkins and the nice, uh, you know, I mean, utensils and all of that that was there. It's a very nice environment, nice plate, nice calzone. And my dad opens it up. And lo and behold, you guessed it, there's a hair there. Now, one thing that you'd have to recognize with, with a deaf person, they can communicate a lot without even saying a word. <laughs> and here, as my dad sees this, he's thinking, this isn't good. And I signed to him, I said, what's wrong? He goes, and he told me that there was a hair, and he's like, I'll wait for the waiter. So he's waiting here, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to pan out. Waiter comes around. And my dad's looking at him, and he goes. <laughs> and he turns the plate like this, and he goes. And he takes his fork and just, you know, goes like this. And, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you guess a nice, long old hair there. And he goes like this, and he goes. <laughs> so I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, ugh. So right now, already for me, I mean, I'm. You know, I'm looking through all kinds of stuff. They bring back a new calzone. They bring a new calzone back, and there it is. And I'm thinking, oh, and my dad just sitting there, and he's just going, would you like me to box it up? Sure, box it up. Brings it back to the house. He didn't ever touch it, threw it away, tossed it away. And that was it. And it just shows you, you can have a nice environment. You can have the nicest plate. And you can have this nice calzone that is there. And even the reputation that it might present itself. And then you find one thing like a hair in there and you're thinking, I have lost my appetite. I'm not even hungry. You can even bring me a brand new one. I am not interested in it at all. And it's like when Solomon brings out this truth, here's a man, notice what it says here, so doth a little folly, all it takes is a little, a little folly, him that is in reputation of wisdom, and honor. An individual living his life, but yet a little folly, what happens, Solomon is saying, it's like that, that perfume that is, that is costly, that perfume that takes a lot of work, to, that, is need, that needs to be protected, and it's that perfume that is there. But wait a minute, there is a fly in that perfume, and as a result, it's tainted, it's not desirable, it's not appreciated anymore, it's lightly esteemed, and so it is if a, if a man with his testimony if he lives in such a life of folly, even a little folly, what happens is that it's like that picture there. Sad. Just a little folly. All it takes is a little folly. So Solomon says, what I, and this is what I appreciate out of Solomon, when he writes the book of Ecclesiastes, he tells us the problem. He tells us the issue. He tells us the, the situation at hand, but he also tells us how to prevent it. He tells us how to, to deal with it. He tells us how to make sure that, that it is protected, that we give a right attention to it. And so I want you to look at verse number 3 here. Look at verse number 3. Yea, also, so we know it, we understand, I'm sorry, I'm verse number 2. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Now I'm going to try to do my best to explain this here. I'm going to come down here. Um, so verse number two, it says, A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Now, 
we understand the, the heart is the, is the governing factor of, of decision-making that we, that we do. We make right choices. We, we, we believe in our heart, right, unto salvation. It's, what, it, it's more than just the pumping organ. It is the decision-making the, the, the decision factor of what we, what we do. And he says, a wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool is at his left. You know, when we talk about the sheeps and the goats that Jesus makes mention, he's going to divide up the sheep on where? His right hand and the goats at his left. The right hand is a sign of approval. Even when uh, James and John, they ask, who's going to sit on your right hand? Who's going to sit at your left? The right hand represented everything of, of an exalted degree. So their, their idea was, hey, we're hoping to be at your right hand. I mean, we, should, we talk about Jesus at the what? The right hand of the Father. So we understand the right hand has everything to do with the, the right place that an individual is supposed to be. And that's what he's saying. He says, a wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his, where? Left hand. So, uh, Brother Mike, I'm going to use you right here. You know, one thing about Brother Mike is that when he was, I have, a, I have another guy now that I've re re gone to. His name is Trent. And every once in a while he acts up, I call him Trent Cephas. Meaning, like, you know, like when Jesus talked to Peter, and he says, uh, you know, I'm calling you Cephas. And usually when he made mention of him being called Cephas, he says, hey, there's a problem here. He said, Trent Cephas, come here. You know, so anyways, that's for free. Mike, come up. <laughs> Brother Mike, I use him as illustrations all the time, so i going back to the good old days right here. Um, I want you to throw me. Now, he used to be a lacrosse player, right? I don't know, how do, you, how do you play basketball? You play basketball pretty good? I didn't think so. Okay. How about baseball? Okay. Well, you can throw right-handed. Go ahead and throw right-handed. Okay. Right-handed. Let me just clear the air here. Right-handed throw. That, okay, now we understand it's Mike, but it looked normal. <laughs> Correct? It, I, I got to give him a little bit of grief. I love Mike. I'm telling you. All right. You say, how do you know that? You're giving him grief right now. I love Mike. Now, okay. It looked normal when he threw that ball right-handed. Now... I want you to throw left-handed. Oh, wait, wait, wait. now you're right-handed by. Okay, I just want to make sure because this illustration is going to go haywire if that's not the case. <laughs> throw left-handed. Uh, try try getting it to me next time. All right. Left-handed, left-handed throw. <laughs> all right, so we all know his left-handed throw wasn't as normal. It didn't look natural like his right-handed throw. Mike, you can sit down. He's like, praise the Lord, hallelujah. <clears throat> his left-handed throw did not look natural, didn't look right, didn't look appropriate. And here, what Solomon is saying, he says, Yea, also, I'm sorry, in verse number two, a wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. A left-handed left -handed, decision-making doesn't look right. Doesn't look appropriate. It doesn't look natural. Notice in the next verse here, in verse number three, Yea, also, when he that is a fool 
Let me just stop right here. What marks a man that is labeled as a fool, according to verse number two? Left-handed choices. His left-handed heart, right? Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him. And he saith to everyone that he is a fool. So notice this. Here's an individual that will say, I'm going to make, make left-handed choices, but he can come across and saying, I've got to put together, I have a reputation, I have a testimony, but yet if he's making uh, these left-handed choices, right, that's representing his heart, what it's going to do, he can say that it's wisdom, but as a result, it's going to fail him, of what Solomon is saying. It's going to disappoint him. It's not going to, it's not going to line up. And as a result, everyone that walks by is going to say, that doesn't look natural. That's, that does not look right. You take a look at a lot of believers today, and they can claim and have this title or have this reputation saying Christian over their life and saying, this is what I do, this is where I go, I'm a member of such and such church, this is who I am. And, and if they make left-handed choices, it doesn't reflect what is supposed to be natural. It doesn't reflect what looks right. And they can say, I, I'm a Christian, I got it put together, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm involved with. But if an individual still makes left-handed choices, notice the last part there, uh, in verse number three there, he saith to everyone that he is a fool. Now he's not going to verbally go out, because he's already saying in the very beginning, hey, I'm exercising wisdom. But because of his choices, his life is representing, just like that, just like that ointment and that fly in that ointment, his, he's saying to everybody, here's my life, because of these choices, this is what's being represented. And as a result, it doesn't look natural. Solomon is saying, you don't have to do that. Notice what he says in verse number one. He says, just a little folly, a little folly produces that. A little folly produces that, that ointment and a fly in that ointment. Just a little folly. If I got up here and I said one curse word, all of my credibility is gone as a pastor. Am I, am I, am I right? Absolutely. My credibility would be gone. And we have to understand that no matter what choices that we make, left-handed choices will say to everybody that's out here, that does not look normal. So what Solomon is doing, he's giving us the negative side because that's where he's coming from. That's his point of view. He's saying, in my life, I can tell you, you want to, you want to tell me what living is all about? I'll tell you what living is all about. I remember when I was walking with God, and I remember the, the building of the temple, and God filled the temple. I remember when the Queen of Sheba came, and she saw, the, yeah, she saw all the tangibles that were there. But what really took her back is the, is the mindset that you had regarding Jehovah God, and how you walked with Him, and how you talked with Him, the service of God, and the serving of the people, and the service of God. And that's what took her breath away, and that's what made her say, wow, there's a lot of right-handed choices that are being made here. And now over, over the course of time, within one chapter that we read, you see Solomon's life totally changing. Within one chapter. And his heart was turned away 
And as a result, that's what he is speaking about. This life, this, this vanity, this vanity of vanity, this life that brings nothing and doesn't produce anything. He says, listen, I, I, I know what life is living with God, and I can tell you, but there's this other side that is tempting over here, these left-handed choices. And I'm going to, since I have the, well, I have the reputation to do what I can, and, you know, might as well try. And as a result, he, he makes left-handed choices and thinking that he's okay and thinking that he still has his wisdom and thinking that he's got it all put together, he comes back from his perspective looking at his own life and he sums it up and says, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be the king or you can just be a servant. It doesn't matter who you are, but if you have a certain reputation or you think you're going to come across in some way and you make left-handed choices, this is the product. And that's what he's writing from. Now, he's writing from a negative perspective. And we say, well, how do you get that taken care of? This, this should not blow us away. We make, we have a right reputation, or we have ointment that is going to serve its purpose when it's protected. And it's protected when we make right choices. Say, so, well, if you just said, hey, and you just came up here, we saved a lot of time during Sunday school, you just come up and say, hey, okay, you want to have a good testimony? Make right choices. I, I'm, I'm good with that. I agree with it. Why'd you have to go through all of that? <laughs> well, I think we would go through all that to show us that it's easy to have the understanding, do what's right. When Jesus told his disciples, those that are pure in heart, those are the individuals that see God. But those individuals that see God, blessed are those that are righteous, right? For they shall be filled. Those are the only ones that are going to be filled of those that make right choices. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, it comes down to every decision that we make. It's coming with the mindset of saying, how does it, where does this take me? What, what product is produced in the process decision making that I make? And sometimes if we're not careful, we just, we just go by and we make choices without even thinking that this affects my reputation. And God's saying, listen, if you're going to, if you're going to have the type, of, the type of life that God wants you to have, it comes by having a right testimony. Now here we are, I'm in Oro Valley. We're talking about 40,000 people. And Brother John, uh, he's out there in Scottsdale with a lot more people. Like 200-something thousand people, I don't know. A lot more people. And so when it comes down to the interactions of, of dealing with people, and I'm, I'm trying to think of liberal Kansas here. When it comes down to the interaction with people, let's just say in Oro Valley, you're probably not going to come in contact with a lot of individuals that, oh, you go to North Valley, yeah, I've seen that church right there on the corner there, and they haven't visited, or they just heard about it, or you're not going to come across, hey, so-and-so, how you doing? Not like in liberal Kansas. Liberal Kansas, you can go to Walmart, you can go to whatever restaurant, and you're going to see each other all the time, often, and there's more accountability with that. Help me out here just a little bit. There's more accountability. I see so-and-so, and I see so-and-so, and I see so-and-so. Last night we went to Deed and saw somebody that I knew. And if I went to Walmart, I would see 80 people that I knew. I mean, that's just the way that it is out here. So there's more, when you think about it, there's more accountability when, I, when you just bring it down to where you are and understanding that there's a reputation. When, not, when I gave an individual a track yesterday, last night, and I said, hey, uh, why, I invite you to Fellowship Baptist Church. She doesn't go here, but I guarantee you, she knew exactly where it was. Well, why? Well, she, she understood that there's a reputation there. I, I, I'm, I, from just the things that I've heard, and I've, you know, I am, 
Uh, I'm blown away. And by the way, the reputation that you have here, I'm talking about collectively, as a church body, extends far beyond liberal Kansas. I mean, you think uh, Brother Tyler, he's preaching there, and he's going to have a, 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 rep- a representation of what takes place in Fellowship Baptist Church where he's ministering. Pastor Prater, the same thing. That's just the way that it is, and that's a blessing. Praise the Lord for that. So there's a reputation that Fellowship Baptist Church has, and if we can do this, it comes down even uh, smaller to understand on a personal level when the reputation is right and it's protected, the whole is, repu- uh, the whole is protected. And it starts, on, a, and it starts on, a, on an individual basis. That's where it starts. But because of the dynamics here, there's so much, can I say, so much more accountability. People see your actions. People see your motives. And you say, well, I don't have time to deal with the applications that I had here. But if you were just to deal with, okay, making right-handed choices, well, what is that? Well, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. And you know what that is. And you know when a situation arises. And you know when an issue that takes place. And you know when a temptation takes place. Or you know when a trial takes place. Or you know when a, 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 a problem arises. Or something that, 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 that you're confronted with. And you are confronted with either right-handed choices or left-handed choices. And if you make left-handed choices, as silly as Brother Mike looked at uh, throwing that ball, that's how people would say, that doesn't look right. That doesn't look normal. That doesn't look appropriate. But when someone throws a right-handed choice and saying, boy, you know what? There was structure there. There was stability there. The ball actually got there. They might not agree with all the right-handed choices, but from a, from a common sense standpoint, they come back and say, that looks right. That looks appropriate. And if we can make it, maybe from taking the words of Solomon and just saying, okay, here's my life. It's perfume. It's the ointment that is there, and here's the case. Let's keep it protected. Because it represents more than just your life. It represents so much more. It represents a church, and it represents Christ and everything. that. But it comes down to making right-handed choices.